1: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: They might talk about humor, music, film,
1: books, football, and box sets, exercise, and maybe even food. Trivia and sports,
0: politics and
1: health, sometimes well being too. On the life with Brian, Of the life.
3: With Brian. Hello, we're back again after a short break. Uh, it's Mark here, and welcome to episode 21 of Life with Brian. Uh, and who would have thought we, that we'd be here already? Um, do you remember our first episode when Brian admitted we'd have to drag the words out of him? Well, now we can't shut him up. Uh, and speaking of Mister McLeir, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Mark. Thank you very much. Good. Uh, and and uh other ever-present inquisitor, Matthew, is here too. Uh, Matthew, can you believe we've made it past 20? Um, so-
1: yeah, I can. I always had faith in Brian. As a kid, I always had faith in Brian, and, and uh, now, I've, now <laughs> I've grown up, I have even more faith in him. I mean, I think it's quite poignant, don't you, that Brian comes down from Celtic, joins United, becomes the first man to score 20 league goals since George Best, and now he's become the first man since, well, Brian McClare to record 20 episodes of uh, Life with Brian, so... <laughs> It's all come round in a big circle, hasn't it?
3: (laughs) Well, um, it wouldn't be life with Brian if we didn't have a guest, would it? Um, So let's meet him.
1: Everybody listen up, it's Max Rushton. Moved to Australia from living in London. He works for the Guardian and Stan Sport. Cambridge and Spurs get his support Ranks overhead kicks on the Sinclair Spectrum Borrowing microwaves from Trevor Nelson He's great at House, I swear I once saw him dancing in the Wetherspoon Slapping a chair, 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 chair
3: Yes, he's the host of the warm-up on TalkSport Football coverage for Stan Sport in Australia and uh, possibly, or perhaps probably, the number one football podcast in the world, The Guardian's Football Weekly. Um, So his appearance on our show feels like the equivalent of Manchester United coming down to say, ooh, I don't know, Cambridge United for a friendly. It's Max Rushton. How are you doing, Max?
0: Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, Can I just say that Liam's jingle is, as I replied to the email when I first heard it, perhaps the greatest moment of my life. I'm not saying that my life hasn't been great or exciting, but... um, it's it, i found it incredibly enjoyable and and he he did uh, a couple of he started doing loop samples is that what they're called like yeah i, did it for the, like, I think Euros, i'm one of the younger yeah i like think i'm sort of the i might even be the youngest coolest person on this podcast but even still i'm not <laughs> sure what to call them and um yeah we love that and i love that jingle and given that introduction, I, I think all it tells you is what a terrible state British broadcasting is. If, <clears throat> if I'm connected to things that are still, you know, I haven't been doing Football Weekly that long. Let's face it, It's only been four years. There's still time for me to decimate what was already an enormous audience. I think it's important to put that out there.
1: Tell us a bit more, Max, about the, um, the looping that um, Liam did in the summer then, because that's obviously where this all came from. And uh, it was something yeah. I know you and him interacted on a few times. So, so where did all that begin?
0: So I think um, so. So on Football Weekly, it is me and Barry Glenn Denning, who is a proud Irishman and not an England fan. And then you know we have a brilliant set of, of panelists uh, who know much more than both of us. And I think I when when we beat Denmark in the semi-final, I think I um, and we were recording the pod in the evening, and we'd had a little bit to drink. And I think I put the camera in his face and he told i what are the, i don't know what the swearing rules are for this podcast go for it. But, um, he yeah, basically go said else. you can fuck off Go for it <laughs> he just said he just sort of in my face just said fuck off and then liam enjoyed that bit of the loop and then uh, of the pod and then sort of turned that into some music and then he started doing it for loads of our panelists and actually i'm a bit disappointed he stopped doing it you know if, if i can ask him i don't know if he listens to this podcast brian i, I imagine he does i don't know um can he stop doing them
2: again please He's a busy well, man. Yeah, well, he's not I'm sure Brian. He'd be delighted to do that. Yeah, actually, he's, uh, well, yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's he's got a few other things to do, but he's got still got plenty of time to do. Uh, he really liked. He really enjoyed doing that. and It's um, great that you gave him the opportunity to, to put that out there. You know, and and the roundabout that was it. I very thoroughly enjoyed the, the comments roundabout that about hoping there was maybe other ex players from the, eighties and nineties that would produce X and different amounts of music. <laughs> uh, and fairly different genres, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's great. For all and then one of the things about... Um, Liam's been going on about your... or the, certainly not in particular years, but the Guardian podcast for a long time. And uh, for... Uh, and, and what I've discovered today was that um, not only has it got uh, great um, content about sport, well, particular over the last two, the Cambridge United particular one and the, the one about Manchester United uh, great stuff about football and a wee tiny bit about cricket was that uh, how informative it was uh, and how thought provoking it was and I picked up four little things um, over the, those two podcasts uh, the, the first one that I think pretty important and pretty relevant to you and maybe it's something that should have been um, and your Christmas list is that you need a new alarm because you missed the first 20 minutes of the game. <laughs> I know it was uh, 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, but well, you missed the first 20 minutes of the game. And you admitted that as well, which I thought, oh, I can't believe it. And nobody picked up on that, that you missed the first 20 minutes. No. I, look, I feel it's really important, to
0: be honest, about everything. So in broadcasting I think being honest is really important. Like like I've been in so many T V studios or radio studios where somebody wants to lie and say, No, just say you arrived then or say this happened. And I I just think that what what has happened has happened and you have to be brutally honest about it. So what happened was so this is the first so I moved to Australia like four months ago. And I've managed to watch a lot of the Cambridge games that are on in midweek because I'm on telly doing the Champions League and I've got all, you know, in the big studio and I've got all AC Milan and Real Madrid and Liverpool playing. And then on the laptop on the iFollow, I've got us away at Gillingham and the boss is like, <laughs> I'm not sure you should be watching that when you're about to do <laughs> half time analysis of, you know, Real Madrid versus Inter Milan. But this is the first game that I've actually, in, call me a glory hunter. I haven't been getting up to watch our League One games at two in the morning. So when the alarm went off, this is, this is genuinely what I thought process was. It was like, oh, God, it's 2 in the morning. So then I lay back for 10 minutes, and I thought, no, 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 I've got to watch it. And then I couldn't find it on the telly because <laughs> it's on like a digital channel that I have got, but I couldn't get. And then I thought, oh, should I just go back to bed and watch it in the morning? And then I thought, no, no, no. So I found it on the laptop, and then I managed to plug the laptop into the telly. And thank God I did because it was just... It was so good, I, like it, it just—it took me back to like you know 1991 when we went on those quarterfinal runs, and it and it and it just there is just nothing. If you're a lower league fan, there is just nothing better than beating. And I don't think we've ever won away at a Premier League side, especially Newcastle. Especially what has happened recently, I've been very vocal about. I've been totally against the takeover. I think it's terrible for football. That isn't the Newcastle fans' fault, but I've written a lot about that and spoken a lot about that. And so to go there and beat them was just—it was so good. It was so good.
1: Talking of early nineties, do you remember that uh, epic clash with Brian United in, back
0: in the autumn of nineteen ninety, League Cup? So I was definitely—I was at the game. We drew one-one at home. I, I can't remember which way the legs went. Did was, we lose uh, 3 0 away sec- in the first? The
2: second game? leg was at uh, your stadium. So yeah. The second leg was. So at I the think English. you'd already you'd already beaten us quite comfortably hadn't you so, well I mean and, one I, of the things I, I don't remember that many games Max but I remember both those events yeah. for, for particular um, particular reasons in that they were different in the sense that John Beck was a manager of Cambridge and John Beck was very much um, get the ball forward and then get the ball into the box as much as possible and Dion um, who who's Probably Well, I think I'm I'm fairly sure that when the manager was doing his team talk, Dion would have been the one player that he would have picked out as the danger person, the danger man. And in Old Trafford, in the first half, he caused um, Gary Parson, I'm sure it probably was Steve Bruce, a few problems. Uh, Even although that, um, I can't remember how the score and go, but Dion was was definitely making a a difference to, to the game. And he didn't come out in the second half. And we all thought, wow, that's fantastic. You know, he's he's not come out. So I ended up winning the game, whatever it was. And I think it would have, could have been completely different set. So it would have been more difficult for us had Dion stayed on the pitch. We just assumed he was injured. But uh, after the game, he, he was in the players' lounge and we found out that he had been taken off because he had disagreed with something that John Beck had said. So John Beck had said, you stop fucking <laughs> passing the ball. This is what he said. You stop fucking passing the ball. Yeah. You just get in that fucking box and you head the ball. That's your job. And Dion must have had a little <laughs> chip back. And he took him off. Took him off. So that did us a, a massive we, um,
0: um Steve Claridge was once taken off after 20 minutes for cutting inside because he was playing out <laughs> on the right wing. And, if he, and the right winger's job was to run to the byline and just cross it in, and if you cut inside, that was it. John Beck took him off. Was it when you played us? I mean, presumably there were still teams you were used to playing that were a bit
2: like that, you know, sort of playing... Wimbled oh, no, no, We were used thing. to playing like that, but it was only in the sense of that we were so surprised that you take your best player off because he did something that the manager totally disagreed with, just that like you mentioned there, about Steve Clyde cutting inside. And then when we go down to your place... John Betts has got all these newspaper clippings all over the dressing room walls about what all the reports had been about the game at Old Trafford to try his motivation and try and give us whatever he thought it would make a difference to us. And when we went out for the warm-up, I was just standing, because they didn't do the organised warm-ups then, so I used to just stand and watch, basically, or kick the ball out of the ground or try to hit the opposition <laughs> fans behind the goals. That was my warm-up. But I was watching what they were doing and, and they were just launching the ball and they, and they had cones down in the, the corners, down in the, the little slope there, isn't there? So down particular down towards the right-hand corner and they're just shelling the ball down there and I'm watching them thinking, what is this all about? The game played, <laughs> I, I scored a goal <laughs> and so we're, the, the tie's kind of over and I, I got taken off and uh, I spent the the last half an hour of the game Guessing where the ball was going to be because I couldn't see the ball because it was because the, the stand was so low, and I just was like watching them kicking the ball and just guessing, hoping. I put my head down to see where the ball would go, and uh, that was my recollection of those. As I said, I don't remember so many games, but I quite vividly remember both of those games back. But being so different in the way that. Uh, the opposition had prepared and the way the opposition manager was prepared to take his best player off because he was pissed off because he tried to play football.
0: I mean, that was entirely my football education. I mean, that that was what I watched. I didn't really watch any other football. You know, occasionally it was a game on the telly, but I just watched this glorious long ball football for about five years. And I obviously was too young to have any understanding of tactics, even if I have any understanding now. But we, we, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't, but in the corners of the ground, he put these big boardings up, hoardings that said quality in amber and black. It was like an amber board with the word quality in big black letters, just so the fullbacks could look up, see the word quality, and just kick the ball quality yeah. and, and he put yeah. sand in the corners Yeah, and, I remember he gave he gave the away teams flat footballs and he made it if it was summer he'd make it really cold and if it was winter he'd make it really hot in the dressing room all those things but I like to think he was a pioneer of
2: sorts you know oh no he was very successful over for a period of time um, you, you can't there's no there's no right Max there's no right or wrong way to play football there is a way to play football that suits um your particular needs, your particular philosophy and your particular desire to do whatever you want. And that's quite clear. I mean you you've got for me I would say uh, a great advantage in living where you are and you can watch all of that football that you're watching plus you can watch your beloved Cambridge at the same time. I, I, that's that's something that, I'd, that I've done once or twice uh, in certain places uh, where you you have that kind of thing and I, I love football and love watching football. I watch, can virtually watch any kind of football. And uh, there's no, as I said, there's no right or wrong way about that. But one of the good things thing going back to your, your, uh, your podcast that, that, that I learned today was that also that, um, I'm quite pleased that you uh, you you you've informed me of the aquatic li- uh, the aquatic life, <laughs> of the, uh, the coast of Africa and and the. We're just off the Comoros <laughs> Islands and uh, the coelacanth, you know. So I, that was another thing that I've like stuck in my head now, you know, about coelacanths being one of the oldest um, yeah. uh, lineage of fish in the world. So I'm really pleased about Have that. Have you seen a coelacanth, bro? No, I saw the, I saw the you, pictures um, of them me, as well, yeah. You don't get many well, in Edinburgh, not really. One of the fishmongers in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, they haven't been dealt a great hand aesthetically, I would say. Um, I, I can't pronounce it. What is it? The coelacanth. Coelacanth. They, you know, they are... They perhaps... Yeah, they perhaps bring other things to the aquatic party, but they're not the most... You know, given the, some of the, the beautiful tropical fish, I would say they're sort of... They're. The, I imagine they're lower... They're further down in the ocean. You know, they look a bit like... You know when David Attenborough went, like, right oh, yeah. to the bottom of the yeah, sea? And you were like, I don't know if this is actually happening. That's where they... I reckon they are.
2: Yeah, they don't. They don't have a light at the top of the head, but they're getting close to that. Yeah. Uh, another thing that surprised me and and disenchanted mm-hmm. me at the same time, and, and I and I agree with okay. Troy Dini in the sense that when he was talking about VAR, I don't like VAR either. I think it's an abomination of a word. You know, I think they should find something else to call it. You know, for an abon- abomination of a of a system. But I didn't realise that Shrewsbury had to pay half of the cost for VAR. When they go to Anfield at the weekend, and I, 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 that was a complete uh, eye opener to me. You know, thinking, like, "My God, you're going to pay, have to pay for that." You know, and the and also they kind of get pissed off because it's like if it was being at Shrewsbury, you wouldn't have had VAR. And I, and I know it's turned to the rules of the competition, but I just think there should be consist- consistency with regards to the to the rules and competitions about what's going on there. And my favourite kind of fact really that came out of those last two was that uh and I'm a big Rolling Stones fan, is that apparently um Mick Jagger doesn't do anything. He sits in a rocking <laughs> a rocking chair for an hour and a half uh until the last fifteen minutes of the gig and then he gives it big time and that's what you remember about the gig. So there's the four things that I've learned from your <laughs> podcast. I mean there this, is this there is
0: football in the podcast.
2: Oh no no! I like all of that, but these are the other things that I like better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Barry—that was Barry said that about the Rolling Stones. That's not. A, yeah, that's not. Funny. Just to be fair, yeah, I, like know to you, I know you don't want that. to admit these He funny, also but said, he is "Funny." <laughs> no, I no, I don't want to admit that at all. Uh, you know, perhaps just getting me as a gateway to getting Barry on this pod. But but he said they're all getting on a bit, and I d- I didn't want to point out at the time that you know one of them has sadly more than getting on a bit um, but I, I'd like to distance myself from what Barry said about the Rolling <coughs> Stones but do you know what I, I really think that I really think that you know there are there's so much football content right and so much of it takes so much of football so seriously when none of it really matters you know and, and what we try and do is when something does matter like Black Lives Matter or we talked about the you know the Retire the Chant about um You know, the sort of Chelsea Rent Boy chant that, that, you know, the homophobic chant that lots of fans are doing at the moment. When something really matters, we take it seriously. The rest of it, the results don't really matter. You know, they're just kind of, they're a bit of fun, really. So, so we try and, we try and get that balance right. And if we can get onto, you know, the aquatic life of West Africa, then I'm more than happy, basically.
2: And so is Brian, obviously, by the sounds. Which is kind of thing in the book that you've had, uh, you, I mean, you talk a bit earlier on, but you have had, uh, and you're um, you're 42 now, aren't you? 42, yeah. You, yes, you have had, if all the things I've discovered about you, a very very inclusive yeah. and amazing life, and have had unbelievable experiences. Now, I don't know where things are right or wrong when you read on the internet, but <laughs> I was just wondering uh, if, how did you enjoy it, and how did it come around to be. That you were wandering around London uh, dressed as a, a penguin. Is that right? <laughs> uh, it is right.
0: So I happened to host Soccer AM during what's commonly known as the glory years. At least that's what I call them. Not many other people call those particular seven years of it the glory years. But we used to recreate the John Lewis Anferts. So we'd wait, like literally, we, like it would be a big part of the season, would be to find out what John Lewis had done. Because whatever they'd done, we'd have to recreate it shot for shot. And there was the one, if you remember, the two penguins. Um, I can't remember what happened in the... You know, one of them, I think they both get presents. And it's something like that. And so as soon as that happened, you were like, oh, right, I've got a full day dressed as a penguin, sort of being driven around various places. In fact, the, the snowman one was actually more difficult because we didn't really have a snowman outfit It was just like the first. Whoever was on work experience was told, can you make a life size snowman outfit? Here are your tools with some like chicken wire and God knows what they use for the snowman. But anyway, like. Basically, I had this chicken wire in my hands that was sort of cutting my hands. You know when movie stars talk about, like, the rigors they have to go through to make it in... You know, I had to lose 10 stone or I had to go training every day. I had to dress as a snowman for eight hours and, you know, just stand on the Hogarth roundabout in Chiswick, pointing for, like, a 20-minute shot. And, like, it took about 16 hours. But, you know, I think the point... I think quite often, like, when you actually take a step back and you think... I'm getting paid to dress as a snowman. You probably shouldn't complain, should you? You should just go, "This is, you know, all my friends have got proper jobs, and I'm a snowman today, and so just crack on and enjoy it.
1: with
0: Brian Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily
1: bonuses
3: are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, although Andy Goldstein was briefly in situ before you, uh, a la David as you could say. Um, mm. I was just wondering, was it like um, following Alex Ferguson, stepping into Tim Lovejoy's uh, shoes on that show?
0: Um, I mean, it was in a way, I guess. like I'd, I'd occasionally be walking down the street and just a van would drive past and someone would just go, you'll never be Lovejoy, you mug. And I'd just be standing there sort of minding my own business. Um, like, I, I guess, I guess if you... The funny thing about that is I'd never done telly in my whole life, Right. And I was so lucky to get that job because I'd I'd sort of made a showreel. I was doing local radio. I was at BBC London. I'd got the breakfast show. I'd got sacked because I wasn't famous. And I was just kind of wondering what to do with my life. And I'd, I'd, I'd made a showreel and I'd sent it to everybody, like everybody you could think of. And everybody had ignored it except for the travel channel who replied to tell me that I was boring. That like I literally, a quote, wasn't edgy enough for... The travel channel which it wasn't like you know travel man it wasn't like it was just somebody on telly saying two flights to majorca all inclusive is 682 pounds i'd be like god that really is boring if i'm too boring for that and then the the head of sky sports just rang me and said do you want to come in and have a chat and i thought you know they've got like that tempin bowling thing or the pool competition you know like something to pay the rent and we went in, I went in and chatted about Cambridge United like we just did for an hour, then talked about Soccer AM. And I was, I was a fan of the week when I was about 20. I sort of sat in the stand in my kit with my mates. And I said that to them. And then they were like, oh, okay. And then they said, look, we think we've got something for you. We'll give you a call in two months. You know, don't take any job. And I thought, well, I don't know what this is. But I just sort of carried on, just sort of pottering about. And, um, and then they called me in. And it was funny because on the same day that I did that, I had an audition for Blue Peter, right? And the audition for the Blue Peter is exactly how you imagine an audition for Blue Peter would be. <laughs> so the timing was I went into Sky, I sat down. The head of Sky Sports looked me in the eye. It was this old? And I didn't realise how important... These two guys, Vic Wakeling and Andy Melvin, have built Sky into from nothing into what it is now, basically. He's no longer with us, Vic, sadly. And he just said... I want to talk about Soccer M, would you like to do it? So I had no audition, no screen test, no pilot. And I would have I would have absolutely messed it up because I'd have been so nervous. And I didn't know what to do because I'd never done TV in my life as the first two years of Soccer M would, would show anybody. I said, yeah, please. And then he said, right, what else are you going to do this year? And I said, I'll just do this. So you give me, you know, I get another, you know, so you keep me on. He went, I'll give you a two-year deal. It was like a Heineken advert. You know, I was sitting there going, this is ridiculous. And then he started talking to me about, Hull City, I think, had won in the playoffs. You know, Dean Windows had scored that volley. And I hadn't watched the game. And then I was sitting there going, oh, God, I'm going to get found out now. So I was just trying to get out of the office. So I got out, and I was like, okay, well, I think that's, you know, we didn't agree personal terms because I didn't know what, I, you know, i just sort of signed with an agent, and I didn't know what, I had no idea if I should do it for a pound or a million pound, whatever. So I rang him, and I said, I think I've just got the job, but do I have to go to Blue Peter? And he went, yeah, yeah, sure. You do have to, because until something's signed, you don't know. So I went to this Blue Peter audition, and even then, I was 29, I was already greying. You know, I had, like, salt and pepper, not just just salt, like now. And I, I, I sat in this room with, like, there were, like, four other guys, all about 22, all who'd, like, overdosed on Sunny Delight, and, like, these five girls, all sort of, like, pigtails, and, like, dungarees. I was sitting there, and for the, for the, uh, for the... I read. I woke up in the morning. And I read what you had to bring for Blue Peter. It said, "Bring a prop that represents your life." Right? I said, Who has one of them? But but years ago, a friend of mine had. Years ago, a friend of mine had sent me an anvil because we thought it'd be funny to send an anvil through the post just to annoy the postman. So I've always kept this. An- and you know, you never see anvils in real life. You just see them in cartoons. So I had. So I'm sitting there holding an anvil, and everyone around me had like photo montages of their whole life, you know, or like whole equestrian outfits, things that were really Blue Peter. And I was just sitting there holding an anvil going, this is a fucking surreal day. And then everyone was obviously really nervous, but I didn't want the Blue Peter job. So I was pretty relaxed. So I just sort of wondered, I was learning the history of Lego, which you, you know, to present a bit on Lego. And I was being given a super soaker water pistol, right? So I'm holding a... I'm, I'm learning the history of Lego and I'm holding a Super Soaker water pistol and the camera just comes to me and I just sort of like just fire it at somebody because I don't know what I'm meant to do. So I leave the Blue Peter thing and they ring me and say, look, you're into the last three. Can you come back? I'm like, "What is is a ridiculous day. So I said, no, thank. You know, we agreed the deal to do Socorium and the Sky said, don't tell anybody about this because they hadn't told, you know, the other presenters, they hadn't told the production team, whatever. So then I went to the pub with some friends that evening and I was like, I'm not telling anybody. I'm not telling anybody. And then after about three pints, I just turned to my these are my best friends that I grew up with and went to school with. I just said, I've really had quite a day, chaps. <laughs> Can I tell you all about it? And it was like it was the most surreal day of my life. And then and then doing it, like I was I didn't really rehearse. Like we did not one rehearsal the day before. Helen was great because she's a brilliant broadcaster, but she just said, Look, you'll be fine. That was it. And I didn't watch those first shows. I mean, I don't have them, but I just pray they never put those first shows out because I was like a rabbit in the headlights. There was just too much to take in. I remember driving home on the Friday night at like 11 p.m. and I was like on my phone in the car and I got stopped by the police and I was just like, I just sort of dribbled at them saying, look, I'm really sorry. I'm just really nervous about this thing. I went to, do. they let me go. And I got, into, I got into Sky on the first day and I dropped my phone in the toilet because I was just so nervous. And I was, and I was flying to a, my mate's wedding in Sweden that afternoon. And so I didn't have... My phone was running out of battery, and all I knew about the wedding was, was it was two hours from Stockholm. And so, like, I remember getting to Sweden. Like, my phone was like, you know when your phone is wet and it starts... All the numbers start going and it starts flashing in and out? But thank God, A, I left the country after the first show because I was appalling, and B, Twitter didn't really exist because I wouldn't have survived <laughs> if, if I had, but... Fortunately, I got away with it and managed to cling on to that. So if anyone's
1: got those old uh, copies...
0: Yeah, please don't show them. Please don't.
3: Well, um, speaking of Tim Lovejoy, Max, um, have you ever read his infamous book, Lovejoy and Football? (laughs) I haven't. Um,
0: uh, I think... Is it fair to say I don't want to be harsh on him? It was a different time, possibly. I think what was interesting was when I first got the job... I think they all thought, because Tim and Andy are quite sort of laddie, and I'm very much a beta male, right? And it took me a couple of years to just be like, look, I was second clarinet in Cambridge County Youth Orchestra. I can't hide it. I was like, <laughs> this isn't what you were expecting. You know, the first time they said, can you do pick out three guests that you'd love to get on the show? You know, and I said, I'd like David Attenborough... Angela Lansbury and Carl Kennedy from Neighbours. And the boss just looked, the producer looked at me and thought, oh God, we just hired the wrong person for this programme. But I tried to be a bit, I tried to be a bit laddie to start with and I just wasn't. And so, you know, and once you, you can't not be yourself. It just, it just doesn't work. And so once I just said, look, I'm really square and deal with it. It was much better. But I haven't, I have read the reviews of his book. I have seen some of the excerpts about women's football. And I would suggest time has not been kind to that piece of literature. Is that a diplomatic? <laughs> oh, very
1: very awesome. diplomatic. <laughs> I think so. I mean, talking of that era, I mean, famously, it was a show where a significant por- portion of the audience were hung over from the Friday night, allegedly. Um, but there must have been a good number of guests who were a bit mm. bleary-eyed and uh, inebriated on the couch when they uh, stumbled into the studio on a Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you'd get, like, sometimes you'd get, like, Emmanuel Petit... Uh, Kevin Hart and, you know, Noel Gallagher. And you'd be like, this is amazing, right? You know, this is what a TV show... Graham Norton would take this TV show. And then sometimes you'd get, like, a really young championship footballer who was just really nervous. Um, and then an indie band... And if you're, an, if you're an indie band, it's cool not to talk. So they'd all be ha- wasted from the night before and just not give you any answers. And then you'd have a comedian in the middle going... This is all on you, Alan Davis. You have to. This show is homage to Lily. This is your show because without you, we're totally screwed here. Um, and sometimes I would just, I would just sort of nudge Helen, going, "I can't talk to this band anymore." My biggest fear is being put in a room with all the bands that I've interviewed, and I'm not allowed to leave until I've put them in there. You know, I've got them all together. So I've got editors as editors and Cribs as Cribs and the Maccabees as the Maccabees. Um, some of the, you know, some of, them, some of them were really lovely and some of them were just, you know, like, some of them were, yeah, some of them had it. The were actually the fans of the week because we put them up in a hotel. Sometimes they came in and they were absolutely hammered. I mean, just completely gone. But most of the guests were pretty sound. I mean, we, we had Mr. T on. As as a, as like somebody who grew up with the A Team, Mr T was just it was just absolutely extraordinary, and he did everything you'd want Mr T to do. Like just mid interview, he'd just go, "I ain't getting no playing fool." And You'd be like, "Oh, thank you so much." Like, when you had him or something, you'd look at the sofa and you'd think, "This is the only show where you would get Uwe Rossler, Brian Blessed, and." <laughs> you know, like, when are Uwe Ross, and Brian Blessed going to sit next to each other? That, that's what I, you know. And it was it, it, like it was really hit and miss. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, but it was a, it was yeah it was a it was a great time. You know I was so lucky to do it. It was it was of its time. I think that's definitely true. There are bits of it that I didn't necessarily love, but for me it was you know it completely changed my life. And everything I'm doing now is is because I got lucky. Sending that show reel at the right time, you know, you've got to be so lucky in this in this industry. I'm just writing, you know, another month. I'm just writing down Mr T else.
1: is uh, on our list of future guests for uh, Life with Brian. <laughs> oh, Mr T. Get Mr T and Brian blessed together.
3: <laughs> Brian, blessed. Is it a show? Do,
1: do you still watch it, Max, or is it something you feel that you did and that's it? It's gone now. It's a different era. Is it?
0: Um I don't. And I, I, I actually, I. I I think like the first I I didn't want to leave like when they moved me to fantasy football they swapped me in Fenners it wasn't I think you're meant to say oh it was my choice to move on you're never meant to be honest about what happens in your career you just say yeah that was better for me and actually I loved working with Paul Merson and I loved that show fantasy football because it was like a really immersive look we take Brian for example and look back at his whole career and pick out highlights and whatever and he actually had a bit of there aren't that many places in sport where you get a lot of time with one guest to talk about their career but I didn't want to leave and like the first Saturday was really weird not to be on the telly and just to go and get a coffee and get the papers. But what you have to do is just, you know... I still had a brilliant job and I was doing the... Go- I, no, I was doing talk sport by then. So I was, still, I was on on the Sundays and I just enjoyed my Saturday mornings, just getting up and having a fry up and reading the paper. And it was really nice. And within a couple of years, I got Saturday morning show on talk sport anyway. So I'd quite often see it with the volume down. Um, and I I think... Look, it was never a huge show. Like, when you're in your bubble, you think it's the only thing that's happening in the world. But, it you know, Sky's audiences are never huge because it's subscription. So I think the most we ever got was about 600,000 people. And now I think it's much less because young people watch YouTube, right? And But, but the show, and, and I think everybody likes to think we transformed it and turned it into something else. What is it? It's highlights of football. It's a few guests. It's a few jokes. You know, you can't overthink it. And if you do, I think... You know, it's it's not going to win a Bafta. Like, I'd love to win a Bafta one day, but that that is culturally, it, right? it's been a
1: you know, it's a huge part of football, isn't it? I mean, going back nearly thirty years now, that since that show went up, twenty five years since that show. You know, if there's a lot of people growing up. That's all they've ever known on a Saturday yeah. morning. Um,
0: you know, people of a certain age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I I totally agree. I mean, it's just. I suppose it's just. I think I think it does have a real cultural place, and, and actually, if we're being really honest. Baddiel and Skinner are, is, is, is where it came from, right? And fantasy football and uh, Paul Hawkesby and Andy Jacobs, who, who do a brilliant show on TalkSport that I've worked with both of them quite a lot. You know, they produced fantasy football and so much of the. I mean, it's, it's not saying it was copied, but, but that was sort of the forerunner, right? That culturally, the bit what fantasy football did enabled Soccer AIM to exist, I would say. And, you know, I suspect going before that... I was going to say, Saint yeah, St. Greasy, Saint Greasy you know, yeah. Made, football, made, ...made football more than just people in suits getting really po-faced and earnest about football, but just going, actually, this is yeah. meant to be fun. Let's enjoy it. I, I think that's probably what the the trajectory is, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I agree.
3: You mentioned uh, talk sport there, Max. Um, mm-hmm. You and... Yes, I don't, I don't know whether he is your sidekick or partner, I'm not sure how you want to describe him, but uh, you and Barry Glendenin play a game called Culverhouse. Yeah. Um, for the uninitiated, can you explain the game to us?
0: No, no I can't, I'm afraid. Uh, contractually, uh, and many people have asked for the rules of Culverhouse, um, Gary Lineker did the other day, uh, uh, I think James Tarkovsky did the other day, um, contractually can't give you the rules to Ian Culverhouse, but it's fair to say that Brian McLeir would not be an acceptable play. You could not use Brian McLeir in a game of Culverhouse. That would be instant well,
1: that, that leads to, that's two questions yeah, in one, one really because fun. I mean, you know, without knowing the, the rules of the game, for, for those that don't know, you know, we can't we can't delve into why Brian yeah. wouldn't wouldn't be yeah uh, on there.
0: <laughs> no, we no we can't. Oh, it's a difficult well, part of this podcast, Brian, but I can't. Brian you know, could answer I, the I, question I, surely. <laughs> Putting Brian on the spot. Me, I have well, no, no Brian idea. wouldn't know. But it's not up to Brian. I mean, it's not. It's, so, it's, it's like Ian like, Culverhouse himself. Uh, it's like,
2: that's like forty-two. What is the question? I mean, it's not unlike that. It's you know, <laughs> Jamie. I, guess, I think you're your, probably your, right. Uh, your wife, Jamie. Yeah, she's got a sense of humour. Where is she? She's popped up, Jamie. Oh, yeah, she's she's got a sense Hi, of humour. <laughs> she um, she just made she an appearance. She just made an appearance. <laughs> Jamie, you
0: doing a podcast. Jamie, I'm doing a podcast with Brian McClare.
2: Brian who? McClare. I <laughs> no idea who that. <laughs> just He's so an Australian. This is Brian McClare. Good evening. Morning. She, Morning. She, Hello she are there. had to score 20 goals
0: for Manchester United since George Best. <laughs> Not recently. <laughs> Jamie says Thanks well very so on your goal-scoring <laughs> exploits for Manchester United. So if you can't... I once was no. watching, so she hates, she hates all sport, and I was once watching, um, she likes to guess the team names from the three letters. And,
2: uh, yeah, that's a typical was, thing. that My wife does that too. Like to do, yeah.
0: <laughs> so,
2: on which and ground are playing at?
0: Playing? It, was, it was It was Norwich versus Middlesbrough, right? Not So it's N-O-R-M-I-D. And I said, who's playing? And she looked for a minute and she said... Is it Norway versus the Midlands?
2: Which is a game (laughs) I'd like to see, to be fair. Which is brilliant as well when they they say about um, who's playing in the game. And that'll be Everton. They'll go, Everton, yeah. Uh, They play the Emirates.
0: (laughs) Actually, I took her to... um, We went to the MCG on Boxing Day. And... um, uh, which, which you know, wasn't necessarily the best day's cricket for England. Uh, it was for me. As we were walking to the MCG, <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. Um, she, she did ask me, for me if, if, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it hasn't for me. Um, and uh, <laughs> she said, as we were walking in, we'd even bought an Ash's hat. She asked, "Is this, is this cricket we're going to today?" So you know, and actually, I you know, I find it quite, re- I find it quite refreshing. That's brilliant
2: really. that, yeah
1: Life
2: with, life with Brian, life with Brian, life with Brian. And you went to Nicaragua. Who did you go with? Ah, so, so, uh, yeah, this is who where did you go um, with? I met my
0: wife. You've done lots of research. You've Who of did research, you go with? No, I'm not bothered um, about that, but who did you go with? I didn't go with anyone. I, I in, You went on in, your own? So during Soccer M, I used to just, I went on my own. I used to just, they would finish, <laughs> the season would finish in May and they'd say, can you be back in August? i go, yeah, all right. And all my mates were, had jobs, uh, uh, you know, and were married. I was a bit of a late developer on all these fronts. So I'd just take a bag and fly to South America and just wander around for two months and fly home again. And so I flew to Central America, and we met on a volcano in Nicaragua. And I fell in you love after them? about 10 seconds. Did and you Jamie, go there to board? Uh, we were doing that. Yeah, yeah you, do that, you do that sort of boarding down a volcano.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you done it? Yeah. Uh, no, you have. I haven't. Yeah, but why not? I, yeah. I
0: did it, yeah. I mean, it was quite wet. You didn't get a lot of speed. But I fell in love <laughs> after 10 seconds, and about three years later, I eroded her down, and now we're in the same house.
1: But you, you mentioned Brian. Is, I know, I saw that. Famously, famously there, does thought. his
2: research on this show. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah i like impressed. Yeah, I just thought I was thinking of boarding. I thought, I, when I looked at it, I thought, so. You got, you got bored with all the beautiful churches, the lovely mm. jail, when you I assume you stayed in Leon. Yeah, yeah. and then you thought, well, what we'll do today? Oh, I'll go and get a I'll get a tray. I'll go and get a tray and I'll got this newly born <laughs> volcano And I'll plank well, my arse on to it do, and I'll slide you... down towards the magma. <laughs> in the, lava exactly. plane and well, not the rules to are <laughs>
0: the rules are you have to do one bit of culture or one activity a day so you know i i think i had had i done the churches i've done a few of the churches i'm you know i'm not a total cultural heathen but i'm not far away um can i just say adam got in touch with me brian to say brian mclair used to regularly go into my nan's altering and post office on the way to training it's not a question just let him know he was always her favorite customer Several other Manchester United players also went into the post office, but Brian was number one in my nan's eyes. That is from Adam oh, Turner, Brian.
2: There Fixed. you go. I must have been doing something right in my life.
1: Were you, uh, mm-hmm. you, were you opening Chucky McLeod's mailbag by any chance, Are you? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, 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 uh,
0: was, was, have I gone too early on these questions? Do you remember the post office? I remember everything, Brian. Yeah,
2: I do, yeah. <laughs> I just want to ask you two quick questions before we go to the mailbag. Do you think there is a all long-term right. career in punting? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can aspire to be a punter for all your life.
0: Well, I, 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 you know, Central Cambridge was a tough place to grow up, Brian, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> and not not many people get out of CB1, <laughs> but, but I managed it but um we um we didn't even have a we didn't even have a full-size harp in the music room we had to make do with just one of those little harps that was tough yeah. but um yeah. but we but, but my summer job was punting up and down the river right and you had the little boater and you had a little waistcoat and and one half of yeah, your body normal got clothes incredibly fit because you just punt on one side yeah oh my normal clothes yeah, yeah yeah as soon as this pod stops i put a top hat on walk around town and um and it was a brilliant, honestly, it was the best summer job you could have. Like, you were outside, you got cash in hand, it was brilliant. But there were some people who never left. And, like, come November, it's pretty bleak, because there's no one there. And it's, I would, I would, if you're considering a career change, Brian, I, you know, I would, it's a long commute from Edinburgh, although the train is quite fast, isn't it? I don't have any balance. I don't, I don't have, any balance. I don't have any
2: balance when it comes to that. There's no way I really oh. stand on a punt, no chance. And the other question was what colour was your Clio? Okay. Yes. What colour was your Clio? Blue. A blue one. Yeah, blue. Was it a, was it a one point two? Was one. it one point four? Was it a sporty one? Well, it wasn't
0: mine, it was my it was my housemate John's. And when I got Soccer M, I was just like, I need to get to work somehow, so I got on his insurance. And then I bought it off him for a few hundred quids. And the boss was like, Can you get a better car? You know, I was like, "Why? Well, I don't need a better car." And then on the way to Soccer one day, it conked out on the Hammersmith flyover. And just to let you know, it is more expensive to join the AA if you are conked out on the on the Hammersmith flyover. But it was a bit like you know Jurgen Klinsmann and his Beetle. Like at Sky, they had this. The word "talent" is used for presenters. A terrible word. But all of the presenters were sort of in a line, and they all had Range Rovers. And then I was really proud of my shitty y Reg Clio, and. It, I I um, Darren Eady, uh, the former Norwich and Leicester winger, has a website called Sell Ebrity, right? Where you can, where famous people in inverted commas, can put stuff on it, and then you sell it, and money goes to charity, right? So the idea, you know, some football, you know, I don't know, one of Kevin. One of, one of uh, Darren Eady's mates, I don't know, Robert Rosario, sells a pair of jeans and they go for twenty quid more. So I put my Renault Clio on his website and it was valued at a thousand pounds. So when you put a thousand pounds Clio and you say as owned by me, it sold for six hundred pounds. <laughs> so, so I have a forty percent depreciation when you put my name. Uh, to 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 any hard goods that you're looking to sell,
2: I had a I had a green one, and amongst all the cars that you'd imagine, then the well, it was at the cliff at the time. It was before Carrington, but yeah. that's, that's what I drove to the cliff and back for a period of time. And I've got a, a wonderful Good. story.
1: Can you clear up what era? This, what? Yeah, you know, so you were playing for United, and you were driving a green a green clear up.
2: Yeah, it was United? Yeah, yeah, a clean what, a green. Early 1. days, of 1. United or. Uh, after the second contract well I'll Don't give put... you a clue that I was driving a, a green I was driving a green 1.2 Clio and Gary Pallister who was a neighbour of mine was driving the fastest car that you could get <laughs> outside <laughs> racing cars right Gary Pallister used to live across the road or he, I lived across the road and he lived across from me we used to car share quite often it then when he got this this turbo nutter bastard car I wouldn't go in it that often and, and I had a Renault Clio and he would he would come down his drive, wish off, past the window, and away to training. And I'd drive out the Clio, and I'd go drive to drive to the cliff in Salford. And uh, he would sw- sweep into the uh, through the, the gates at the, the cliff at Salford in his black um, Supra, as I was getting out of my Clio. Right, so I've left after him, my 1.2 Clio, and I've got to train before him, my 1.2 Clio. <laughs> and he's come, sc- uh, handbrake turn into his car park spot in the cliff. And he'd look and go, and he'd look and it'd kind of snarl, you know, and I'd just go, hi, hey, morning, pal, all right, gun." And then we would leave after training and he would go out the same way, <laughs> out like a, you know, banshee, out the gates, down the road, away again, before I'd left because he could see the car. I'd come out 10 minutes later, jump the Cleo, drive home, and when he came whizzing around the corner, the Cleo was either on the drive or I was just getting out of the Cleo to get into the house. And I just waved to him as he's going past, you know. And they drive past slowly and go, don't get <laughs> this, don't understand this. And this has gone on for weeks. And then one day that uh, I picked him up to go to maybe go to the match or something like that. And he, he said, stop here. I says, what do you mean stop here? He says, I want to see inside your garage. I says why do you want to see inside the garage he says no, just I want to see inside the garage I said what the fuck do you want to see in the garage for he says you've got fucking two of those cars <laughs> he thought I had two of them because <laughs> it was impossible for us to travel the same distance and me to get to the training before him and to get back home before him so what he didn't realise was that I was going in the straight line. I would drive straight through Manchester in a straight line. He was going round the motorway. <laughs> he was going around <laughs> the way round the motorway. So he was traveling further than I was. I was just pulling through town. You know, by then, all the traffic had cleared, you know, it was after school. So he did the tra- I went straight. It's a straight road. That's a straight road it was. And that's it. he thought, he th- he did generally think I had two identical green clails just to prove that. Just so I could get one over on him. Surely he knew you better than that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to go and buy two cars. No, but I, no, he did. No, and it was genuine. It he wasn't. He, was, he genuinely thought I had two of them. <laughs> uh,
1: well, thanks for bringing that up. A question that you end up answering yourself. Brilliant. Uh, uh...
0: I enjoyed it, and I'm delighted to be a Cleo brother of Brian McClare. That's a great. I'm, I'm over the moon. <laughs> All
1: right, let's get on with this mailbag. should uh, uh, <laughs> have kept it. to have it, no? McLare's Mailbag. Maclaire's mailbag.
0: Maclaire's
1: mailbag.
3: I can see your sack is positively laden with treats yeah, for us this week. great. great eyesight
1: you've got, Mark. Um, We probably had the biggest, (laughs) most bulging mailbag we've ever had on this series, number 21, as we're at now. So that's that's on motor on through in a Clio. Uh, The first one, Tom Kennedy asked Max, did it take you long to recover from being called a twat on work experience?
0: (laughs) Uh, No, but it was really, so the first work experience I ever did was at BBC Sport Online. And I was 21. I just out of university, and I was a bit of a dick. I was just a bit cocky. And after the two weeks, I went into the boss's office, and he said, "Look, you can do the work. The work's fine. Everybody thinks you're a twat." And it was really good of him to do it because it was sort of heartbreaking. I thought everybody liked me, and they didn't. And so it was sort of, uh, you know, it was it was a lesson in humility. And hopefully, hopefully, I'm no. Hopefully, I sort of, I, you know, I've hidden that twattery. For for the following twenty years, it's not for me to say, I guess. But it was a, it was a, a salutary lesson, and he didn't have to tell me I was a twat. He could have just said, "See you later, off you go." And uh, I I thank the man. That for being is so harsh, isn't it?
1: Me. I mean, what did you do? Did you literally like, go out the building that day and think, right, I'm going to change the way I am? Or I mean, how do you react to
0: that?
2: Mm,
0: no, I didn't think that, but I did think I, I think I'd just. I think a lot of people had worked hard to get to those positions, and I just sort of sauntered in and just been a bit too over familiar. You know, I, you know, and, and I think it was just a lesson in, you know, knowing. So you just reined, just reined it in a bit, bit,
1: and just. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. I think
1: so. Yeah. Well, um,
2: well you've. Um, hopefully, everybody. <laughs> sounded. <laughs> most like, of my teammates maybe. thought if I was. Twitter is anything to go by. Most. Did they? <laughs> most of my teammates <laughs> thought I was. Do they still <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> Gary Palmer certainly? Well, well most the most of them thought I was, so. and I, and it just encouraged me to be more twatish, you know. So yeah. Whereas Max, you you, <laughs> you, know, like you changed be... your ways. Brian just played into their hands,
1: and
0: and probably still is to this
2: day. No, I just got I just well, I, I remember just
0: my I, I remember my dad being very excited about Brian McClare having a degree. My dad was very big on education, so you know. Well, well, you could, have, Brian. Brian, you've
1: got some else. news for Max's dad. Have you not?
2: No, I haven't. didn't. <laughs> not got any news for anybody. Oh, did you I'm not. I'm educated. But did you not. But did you... did you. Com... Did you complete the degree? You're an overshadow, uh, Max. Well, I'm,
1: I'm, yeah, a, I'm, so... a, I'm the one asking
2: the... <laughs> Do I have to tell my dad that you didn't uh, complete I'm... your course? He can tell your dad I didn't complete my course. Yeah. <laughs> I chose the dark I'm side. Far did the big... you get. Um, So I did two years. Well, two years then I did another year later on and I did a uh, a year in um, as in a diploma of football management so I suppose three years of university life but okay, I was so you my intention. It, you did complete it then my intention was always to uh, return but I was having uh, too much fun being a professional football player and then subsequently doing uh, what I was doing which was teaching football after I stopped playing so uh, I've never, um, another thing as well is I've not found anything that uh that uh, stimulated me enough to think that I would return to full time education. So, um, I was always encouraged by my parents because they used to tell me every day that uh you might break your leg tomorrow. So, with that encouragement, I was continued to continue my education. I think that if I had uh if I hadn't bothered with that, I might have been a wee bit better than I was, you know. So not that I'm complaining about about that at all, you know. But um, that's why I was uh, considered to be a twat for, by my teammates because I used to um, use them as my form of entertainment. Because a bit like you and listening to your thing, uh, Max, I, I, I like to have a laugh and a joke every day, you know, and if, whether it's a laugh and a joke with people that are there in my own little sphere, or it's kind of listening to things that you were doing this morning. And that was the same thing as I was doing every single day. That was involved in football. And most of the things that are said about football, footballers are are correct in that they're uh, they're a bit boring, you know. So I had to kind of take up an opposite point of view to get a rise out of them that would then therefore give me some entertainment that day. And then for subsequent days, you know, yeah, so I used to do that all the time, you know, not not just with uh, green Cleos, just every day, really, you know, so uh, you have to enjoy yourself. And I think it's great that you mentioned before is that it's wonderful and it's great being passionate about football, but really it's a game, it's a sport, it's there to be enjoyed. And at the end of it, it's not really that important.
1: Wise words. I agree. And on that note, let's go on to uh, John Mack. John Mack, K. Uh, and this one's for you, Chucky. He says, first record he bought is the same as yours. Ian Dury's hit me with your rhythm stick. What are the odds his second matches his two, which was
2: Oliver's Army by Elvis Costello? True or false? His second would be Oliver's Army. No. So that wasn't the second record you ever bought? I didn't buy Oliver's Army as the second one. Can you remember what it was? No. No. no, no, I know that hit me with your rhythm stick, but I actually preferred the B side of that. Which um was called there had there have been some clever bastards. I like that better because at the time there wasn't many things that you would that would be available in any kind of media where they were swearing in it, you know. Uh, well swearing swearing of that degree. Okay. Uh Kev Robinson. Kev yeah, Kev
1: Robinson wants to know which of your ninety six assists were your favourites? Obviously, referring to the Beckham goal from inside his own half and Kanteau's audacious chip. Um, so, which which one? Uh, which one of those famous assists did it for you?
2: I'd rather not have any of them. Really? So, I would rather r- obliterate them or obliterate the celebrations. I wouldn't mind it just passing the ball and then leaving the scene, because you know <laughs> that's that's. That's become my career, you know, jumping on the back of David's... Jumping on David Beckham's back and giving Eric a little man hug after he's chipped the the ball over the Sunderland goalkeeper. So I think I should have just, you know, deferred, just passed the ball and went backwards. I would have preferred that, I think. So I don't don't have a... I I, I like... I kind of prefer... I don't prefer... I like the, the Davids one because when I went I came on a sub and the manager told me that um, that uh, close the game down the game's finished you know keep the ball keep it tidy keep it and and I, and I passed the ball all of oh I don't even think it reached 12 inches to David and as soon as I could see his body shape that he was going to shoot from just inside uh, our half and all I could think about was uh, I'm going to get a almighty ball looking from the manager because he told me to clean, to close the game down and keep it tight and there's this fucking knobhead shooting from the halfway line and that I would be the one that'd be responsible for that because I'd given the ball you know, I should have known better because I knew how I know how his brain works and, and that's all I could think about was uh oh, great i'm the only i'm only on the pitch a minute and I'm all, I'm going to get the first um hair dryer as we leave the pitch
1: I'd say this whole sort of nostalgia of the Premier League thing, what is it, 25 years, 30 years, whatever the anniversary is now, I'd say you're probably as famous as you've ever been because of that Cantona celebration. Um, Although, is it me, or are they trying to clip you out of that more and more? Every time I see that goal when it cuts to Cantona, wheeling round after the ball, they they seem seem to cut (laughs) you out of it, which, uh, (laughs) you know, that seems a little bit unfair, but... uh,
0: I mean, yeah, I mean not, arguably, uh, I mean, and far be it for me to say this on this podcast, arguably, Cantona, is, it's more about Cantona, that goal, I would suggest. Only a tiny bit.
2: Uh, uh, oh, you have you, to watch it from the beginning. You have to actually watch it from the way <laughs> okay, the started. There's a bit before that, a few bits before that, you have to watch it from that point. Yeah. when you There's a little bit where you're talking about, I think you do something about one twos tours and one twos. tours I think you see a wee bit before that um, Cantona passes me oh, a that. shocking pass. A shocking pass. And I've rescued it, you know. But they'll never show it. No. Nah. In fact, I think that might be obliterated. That <laughs> nah, believe me, it's still out there because it is a terrible... But no, it's no. Terrible... I, no. It's, like, it's, it's in my head. That's all that matters at the moment. I think so. that was your last ever assist for yeah, United. Yeah. You know that. Oh, thanks. Well, it was... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised I know the Cantona that. one.
1: Yeah, the Cantona one was your last second one. No, the Cantona one was your last ever assist for United. Was it? Yeah.
0: Got yeah. it. Yeah. Here we go. I'm watching it now. Here's Cantona. No. Yeah, you do. You pick it up really nicely, actually, because it's just, just behind you, isn't it? Yeah, It's just behind you. Me. Well and behind you keep, me. You keep the move Well behind playing. me, not just behind It's me. well behind you. You almost inspect a, inspect a gadget right leg. to get exactly, it, and you put yeah. perfectly. Basically, are. you put it yeah. on a plate. It's a tap-in, isn't it? That's it's a tap in for tonight, now. so good. <laughs> and look, Lionel Perez was at... Yeah, Lionel Perez was at Cambridge United, and he was always on the halfway line. So to chip Lionel Perez <laughs> is actually nothing. Like, he, he was chipped every <laughs> single game about five yeah. times. So in many ways... It's the Brian McClair goal. Yeah. Canton was oh, just I on know. the end of it. That I guy, he's a back. support...
2: He Cantona has always been a supporting actor. <laughs> Even back then. <laughs> 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 all right, next mailbag question.
1: Um, and maybe the most important question we've ever had sent to us. And uh, it's for both of you. Uh, Sean Williams has gone all Gareth Keenan and asked, Will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark?
0: Oh, here we go <laughs> you can go first do you know what? I'll tell you I'll tell you uh, this is um, it's not this story but I once did a pilot for a show on Sky with an equally daft question where the bosses at Sky said do what you do on the radio so I got Barry and I got Paul Merson and the three of us did do you remember Sky did a show called The Debate which never really worked because they just didn't really go into enough detail on anything and it just kind of it, it was neither one thing or the other But they said, do what you do on the radio. And we did on the radio as muck about. So we did a bit of football chat. And then I did like a mailbag like this. And I turned to Merce and said, look, what would you rather, spoons for hands or forks for feet? And Merce (laughs) took it incredibly seriously. And we did about 15 minutes on this. And Merce was like, where am I? Am I on the beach? Because if I'm on the beach, I can't have, the sand is going to be a real issue with the forks. And uh, we came off air thinking, I was like, this is the best pilot. There is no way we're not getting this gig. (laughs) And I think we were the only people that were auditioned that didn't get a chance to actually do <laughs> do the debate. It wasn't what it wasn't what they were looking for. So to answer the question, no, there will never be a boy that can swim as fast as a shark. Fair enough.
2: Jockey, anything to add to that? Yeah, but you've got to consider you have to consider though that not all sharks are twenty odd feet long. Mm-hmm, there are too. tiny little sharks. I mean tropical yeah. fish sharks. In a tank, and you. Yeah, but boys.
0: Room. I mean, what's the, what's the fastest a young boy can swim?
2: How old is the boy? You're getting really philosophical now, aren't you? Mm, <laughs> has he got yeah. spoons for hands? Has he got a <laughs> fork for hands?
0: <laughs> He's got spoons for hands. They would be better for has a he got, stroke. Is he got webbed a fork, fingers? Like fork? Is he born in Atlantis? And is he? <laughs> Can we? Could you ask the um, questioner for more detail, please? We will we'll do. We will time. do.
1: Always happy. <laughs> and the the final one from the mailbag. We finally got to the bottom of the sack, and it's Ed Fernside, and says all he remembers about you, Chucky, is you clearing your nose out every time the camera went on you during a, during your football career. Have you always been snotty?
2: Not every time. That's a well, bit. I, surely that's a bit of hyperbole. Have it out with Ed, not me. The uh, the medical term for it is productive. And yes, I always have been productive when it comes to, um, yeah. um, phlegm either from my mouth and my throat and my nose. And someone did, um, send me, um, a, a, well, I assume it was a lovely lady who sent me how much she was disgusted by it and that, and she sent me a, a lovely hanky in the post that, uh, <laughs> I think she wanted me to take onto the pitch and, uh. I'm not sure what the manager would have said if I'd have produced a, a white linen hanky from uh short sleeve shirt to... Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, I wish Well, when the they were taking... Had. Opposition were taking a corner, you know. Oh, hold on a second, just uh blow my
3: nose into my... <laughs> she didn't send it to you with a stamp-addressed envelope to send it back again, did she? <laughs> and she she didn't send it to that post office. <laughs> and
1: was it Matthew? Send it to
0: <laughs> um, I have a question from Pill yes. Malone if I'm allowed oh, yeah. it's not official mailbag yeah, Of I course. Yeah. Um, which is did did big Jim Layton have his goalie gloves on when putting Vaseline on his eyebrows I, I'm interested <laughs> in the Jim Layton Vaseline I don't know how often you've gone into this at what point did he Vaseline his eyebrows how much Vaseline Or did he do it in front of everybody did he go to a cubicle what was the whole routine
2: no, there wouldn't have been any. Um, there wouldn't have been any disappearing off to the cubicle. No, he, he was just done it. I, I don't know why he did that at all because uh, I, don't, I don't remember. See, you, you would put, particularly in pre-season in the summer, where it's uh, where was warm and you would sweat, and sweat would run into your eyes, and it would hurt your eyes, and it would be a bit of a problem. So you put uh, vaseline on your, your right across your right to to deflect the the sweat down the side of your down the side of your head. But I don't know why <laughs> Jim would put. Vaseline on his, um, in his head uh, because clearly he didn't do a lot of moving around, you know. So I don't, <laughs> don't actually know about that one. Uh, there is, a, <laughs> there has got to be a chance that some of the uh, vaseline could have ended up on his, his gloves as well. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Brian, yeah. can't believe it. Could have had. You could have actually. You could have used your hanky to tidy it up I could have yeah. to corners. just, yeah, could just have to done, sort yeah. of a bit of like just, are just well, dab it as down well as side. adding Mr T
1: to our list of potential guests I'm just crossing off Jim Layton now as we speak so uh, unfortunately
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Jim won't be joining us next week I don't think now okay we're going to leave it there folks uh, but just before we say goodbye we've been sent some lovely prints by the good people at the goal hanger who use data to recreate artwork of your favourite sporting moment that you can hang on your wall you can check out what they're doing at their website thegoalhanger.co.uk and on twitter at the underscore goal underscore hanger why are we telling you this well we are running a giveaway competition for you to enter and you might be able to get your hands on a piece of sporting artwork all you have to do is check out our twitter account at brian mclair pod for details of how to enter and also the closing date um, chocky tell us what goal you chose to have recreated an art and why I think I chose uh, Pele's goal in the nineteen
2: seventy World Cup final because I um, I've always loved headers as a as a goal. I think that uh, I mean as a as a person of shorter stature, um, I think I scored more than a fair share of of goals, and I, and I love scoring goals. And that that goal, well, it, there's there's two headers in that that competition. The one that Gordon Banks said this miraculous save for. Uh, but the the goal as a header, the cross, the whole kind of move, and in the World Cup final, uh, people probably picked, uh Carlos Alberto was just, as the fourth goal. But for me, Pele's leap and uh, great header was was for me the was the the best goal in that competition. One that sticks in my memory. I love
3: it, Max. Which yes. goal or favourite sporting moment would you choose to have immortalised? And uh, would recent events at St James's Park have maybe influenced your choice in this?
0: What, you want me to pick one goal from the history
3: of football? Yeah. That you would have, as if you were going to have a piece of artwork on your wall that oh. really sort of speaks to your heart, what would it be?
1: God,
0: that is a
3: tough question.
0: Please, please
1: say Brian's uh, goal I at Sheffield one Wednesday goal. in 1991. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that to be fair, I mean that's the kind of football I love. I fucking love that. Absolutely, no one has a clue. There's a no one have has a clue it? where it's going. Absolutely. Have you seen it? Have you seen the one without
2: oh, the yeah. ball, <laughs> Max? Have you seen the one where the ball's been removed? Which one's that one? There's the same goal, but the ball's been um, removed. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? Um
0: <laughs> So I have to pick one goal from the history of football uh that I think I'll,
3: I'll take Tony Yeboah Leeds versus Liverpool, volley in off the bar. Fair place. enough, brilliant. Well, um, if you like, we'll get the guys at the goal hanger to send you a print of that, or indeed the famous giant-killing moment from uh, Cambridge Newcastle, if you like. Sure, whatever. I mean, they don't, don't, they shouldn't feel obliged. I don't want people to go to extra work
0: just, just for me. But it's very kind <laughs> if
2: they want to. Well, you, you can barely pick it up because you're coming over for the fifth round, aren't you? Luton at home. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm not coming over as a fourth because that's Luton. That's not.
0: I'm not. Don't give a shit about that. Just see off, dirty Luton. And then I'll, you know, manly
1: night away. Then post office that.
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, Max, um, thanks so much for crossing the airwaves and numerous time zones to slum it with us. Um, if um, if anyone is blissfully unaware of where they can catch up with you on Talk TalkSport, uh, Football Weekly, or Stand Sport, um, give us a quick pointer. Um, the Guardian
0: Football Weekly podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, if you like podcasts, um, Talk Sports Saturday morning, Sunday morning. And Stan is, uh, if you live in Australia and you want to watch the Champions League, um, but if you want no part of me, I also understand that. That's totally fine and acceptable. Enjoy, carry on your life without any intrusions from me at
3: all. Brilliant. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Uh, Chucky and Matthew, thanks boys. Um, do you reckon we're going to squeeze another 20 odd of these out? Be more than happy to. As long as, as long as as long as Brian's got the time to keep following us if you do so already then you know where we are but for anyone new here we are at Brian McLeare Pod on Twitter for general chit chat and questions for Brian via the hashtag askchocky and you'll find us on all the major podcast providers Apple Spotify Google Acast and also YouTube where we post some of our favorite clips from each episode thanks for listening we're out for you bye for now life with brian life with brian Talking films all music, life with Brian.
1: Talking TV and food, life with Brian. Talking trivia and exercise, life with Brian. It's different every episode, life with Brian. Talking politics and football, life with Brian. It's different every episode, life with Brian.
0: Life with Brian.